Welcome to Dark Horse Matters, the show about people, their passions, and pursuit toward their dreams. I'm Bev Matayoshi, your host, and I'm passionate about talking to people. I love inviting people on this show so they can share their stories of what their catalyst is in their life that ignites their fire and you know shows them the way to how they're going to impact the world in whatever way that that inspires them. And my hopes is that you out there in the audience, you know, um, may resonate with these stories and hopefully you'll get inspired to go after your dreams as well. So if you haven't already, please like and subscribe, hit the bell so you can be notified every time a new story is posted. And for those of you who are returning, thank you so much for the support. I really appreciate you guys. So uh, today's guest is uh, a very beautiful soul who just really, really, uh, her, the work that she does is so important to the community. It's very rampant out there, the problem. And a lot of people don't even realize that they need to address it. So I really, really appreciate the work that she's doing for the community because a lot of people need help with it. And she is such a beautiful soul. And I know she's impacting the world in a really positive way. So we met on the Asian Hustle Network Facebook group, very inspiring beautiful group on Facebook, um, the Asian Hustle Network. I think she is the third person I'm interviewing from that, that Facebook group. And just, I've met so many people through that Facebook group, uh, you know, online that have been become very good friends of mine. So I'm so grateful for that group and that I can interact with people who are very inspiring and just have a mission to really impact the world in a positive way. So without further ado, I would like to introduce you to Kali Che. Hi there. Thank you so much for the introduction, Bev. Thank you for inviting me to your podcast. You're very welcome. And thank you so much for being here. You know, I've been looking to interview someone about this topic that we're gonna talk about today. For a while now, I just didn't know who. So I'm so grateful that we found each other, you know, on the internet, which is just so random. But <laughs> nowadays, I guess it's normal, right? Yeah. But um, can you, before we dive into, you know, what you do and how you help people, can you give us a little background about yourself? Like, where did you grow up? Where are you from? And tell us a little bit about your family. Sure, sure. Okay, so... Um... I am born in the Netherlands, uh, in the capital city, Amsterdam. My parents are from Hong Kong. So I grew up um, speaking Cantonese. Uh, I'm the oldest of um, I have two younger sisters. And um, my parents is very um, kind of traditional because my parents own a restaurant here. So they were working a lot. Uh, my grandma from um, Hong Kong actually came over and moved in with us. So she was our, ma our main caregiver and um, quite a traditional, like my dad was pretty um, like uh, authoritarian. Um, we were very pushed towards academic results and um, being a good girl so um, playing piano, playing tennis, basically what my parents really wanted me to be. And I felt like some parts of me were not really acceptable. Like I have this part of me that is very um, artistic and very expressive and very like uh, go my own way. And uh, for many years, because of my, the way I was brought up, 
Um, I really followed the path that my parents wanted me to go. So I went to university. I studied business. Um, I worked for really big corporations uh, internationally as well. And, um, but it didn't feel good. I felt like something was really missing. And um, yeah, it took me a while to figure out what it was that I was looking for. Yeah, you know, I can totally relate to that. I'm Asian too. You know, my 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 dad wasn't an immigrant. He was born and raised in Hawaii, but um, my mom was from the Philippines. And um, but his parents, you know, were very <laughs> Okinawan. You know, from Okinawa. So like, I just really relate to that. Like, you know, they have this um, ideal for you. And, you know, they really, really, really stressed academics and which is important, but, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of emphasis on what are you passionate about? You know, let's, let's go into that. Let's really, really, <laughs> you know, help cultivate yeah. that, you know, and, you know, when, as young people, it, sometimes it takes a while to find that it, what that is, because you need experiences to find, find out what you're passionate yeah. about. So I, yeah. I totally relate to that. So growing up like with your parents working did your mom and dad both work in the restaurant and your grandma pretty much you know yeah. was watching you guys so yeah. what was that like you know how how were they hardly ever home like they must have been working really hard like or did you guys spend a lot of time at the restaurant yeah they were we spent some time after school every day in the restaurant so I'd see my mom like um, an hour a day. My dad, I wouldn't see so much because he was um, working in a kitchen. The restaurant was open seven days a week. Um, so my grandmother took care of us, but she was very old school. And she is, she's been through a lot, you know? And unfortunately, like we were unable to speak a lot about that because she was very closed off. I would ask her about um, things that happened, the way she would grow up. So I know a little bit more from my dad, but I have to say like looking back, my grandma was pretty traumatized, traumatized mm. from the things that she's been through. She'd been through the Japanese war, uh, communism, and uh, she was the oldest of, I don't know, like 18 kids growing wow. up very poor and um, sacrificing a lot because she at a young age she had to work and there was so much unhealed stuff on uh, in her that a lot was was projected on us yeah wow like without a, like um not a, with a lot of emotion neglect we were mm -hmm. not really seen we had to work really hard um, there was some physical abuse there was a lot of swearing as there was a lot like you're not good enough Yes. You know, like a lot of people don't really realize like when as an adult, you know, you're we're so resilient as human beings. You know, there's so many mechanisms in this brain of ours that really try to protect you. But, you know, it has such a direct result on who you are as a human being, as a grown up. And I think a huge problem today is a lot of people don't realize those things, those experiences when you're young, you know, how deeply it affects us when we're, we're older. So that's why I, I really am interested in this talk that, you know, what, how you help people because um, this, you know, uncovering those past traumas in your life 
it's so important to moving forward, you know, like a lot of times people don't understand why they can't move forward with, you know, career, their life, your love, whatever it may be. There's something in your past that could be that barrier that's holding you back. And most people go through their lives without even realizing what that is, you know? So I really appreciate what you do. Um, How do you think like your upbringing, you know, your experiences that impacted you, like with your your grandmother and your parents, like um, what can you, do you know, have any specific stories of any problems that you have uh, faced as a result in your adulthood? Thank you. That is such such an important thing you just said about like people not um, aware of how deeply we are imprinted with like our childhood and how it affects our daily decisions because um, we are only consciously aware of so much and the rest of it, especially like uh, from the age zero till seven, everything there is just saved in our subconscious part. And the subconscious is also very much related to the emotions, to the body. So sometimes with our brain, we can just not catch it, but our body knows it and we can feel it, you know, like, especially when we feel like, oh, my, my reactions are exaggerated or um, my body feels pain like this. I can't breathe properly. These are all like uh, blocks that are stored in our body and our body holds so much wisdom if we listen to it. It's just in a society, the head is just so glorified. We figure everything out with our brain, but it also shows that the body doesn't feel very safe. You know, there's a lot of anxiety in there. Uh, a body might not, it might feel pain. So we tend to run away from these, um, from these feelings. So um, yeah, I'm so glad you pointed that out. Mostly work with those subconscious blockages that have happened and that are stored in the emotions and in our body and prevents us actually from living the fullest life and to your full potential. And um, when you're growing up, like, I don't know, like with you and your sisters, were you guys really close or how far apart are you guys in age? Yeah, like uh, me and my sister, like my my middle sister, we are, uh, she's three years younger than me. And I have another sister, she's nine years younger than me. Oh, you guys and, have a pretty big gap then. Yeah, there was a pretty big gap. But it's also like there's like certain mechanisms that might play in the, the family. Uh, for example, there is this mechanism that, for my grandma, for example, that um, I was very much scapegoated. And she was treated like a golden child. I don't know if you ever heard of this um, dynamic. I have heard of this, um, the actual terms. um, And it's, can you explain a little bit more about what that means, what a scapegoat is and a golden child? Because just to the audience who haven't heard those terminologies before. Sure. Like um, I was seen like uh, as the family's problem, you know, like everything because I'm the oldest I had to be responsible. I had to take care of my sister. So whenever something wasn't right, uh, it will be my fault. If my sister was crying because she fell, it would be my fault because I should have taken better care of her. Or when something doesn't go the way my grandma wants, it will be my fault. So um, uh, that will be like an example of the f- family scapegoat. Like the problem is because... Um, I'm not listening because I am not understanding 
Um, so basically, a lot of the blame on what have happened of um, the dysfunction within the family was put on my shoulders. And then you have like the second child, which was at the time she was the youngest. So she couldn't do anything wrong. And uh, she was very sweet. She was young. She was innocent. So to my grandma, she was like a little angel. And hmm. there was play out this dynamic of my sister of being like very, um, she cannot do anything wrong. So whatever thing goes wrong, it would be my fault. Right. And uh, yeah, and she would, and, and both parts have a lot of pain, you know, because of course I've been through a lot of pain uh, being the blame of the family. But my sister was also like being the golden child. Your parents also have certain expectations of you. Like you would not be fully, fully seen for who you are, but you will be fully seen as in like, you have to behave because my, my sister was a bit more quiet and um, she was kept that way because good girls do that. And mm -hmm. that's what she, um, yeah, what she took on as the golden child. That's very interesting um, because the golden child, the, the struggles they have to face is, am I ever going to measure up to your expectations, right? But the scapegoat, everything I do is wrong, you know, like I, I can see how that can just really create a dysfunctional uh, dynamic in a family. And there's one more that you didn't mention that I've learned about. It's the invisible child. And yeah. a lot of times there's, you know, there's the golden child, there's the scapegoat, and then there's the one who is just not noticed at all that just disappears into the background. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. With very, very important, um, you know, way to look at family dynamics. Cause if you can see it that way, you can, it can really help you with your communication with your kids. You know, I think parents all need to learn these these concepts. So, you know, you can try to have a healthier communication system in your family and you're not trying to put those labels or, you know, um, that kind of dyna dynamic in your family. It's, it's so common. This whole, you know, the way that you talked about it is so common and um, it's just so under addressed, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And every every role that you put uh, put in has their own way of healing, has their own own pain. So in order to heal that is a lot of understanding, a lot of awareness is first needed. Yeah, yeah. In Asian Hustle Network, where we met, um, you were really excited to share your mission and how you impact people's lives. So can you tell us a little bit about what you do, like how, how do you help people in this manner with your business? Yeah, so I do a combination of like, um, sort of like a therapy, but also coaching, like giving somebody directions on where to go to find their passion and what sets their heart on fire. And the way I do it is, um, is both going directly for the goal and what your talents are, what you're passionate about, but also like address the certain blocks and a trauma uh, that prevents you from getting there. Right. So trauma, let's talk about that. Like, how do you define trauma? What is considered traumatizing in a person's life? Like a lot of times people don't even, that's normal. That happens to everybody, you know, but you don't realize that, yeah, that's traumatizing, you know? So how do you define trauma? What, what kind of um, things that your clients have to deal with that we uncover about what yeah. traumatizes them? Yeah, it can be 
all range of things. The way I see trauma is basically like um, a situation that has happened that caused some kind of anxiety, panic, or, or stress that hasn't found its resolution yet. You know, and what has happened is that it causes like certain parts of us to be still stuck in that uh, incident, and um, it causes us to to isolate. And trauma can look like different things. You have like trauma, as in like birth, can be very traumatizing. Uh, uh, we don't know that with our conscious brain how our birth was, but our subconscious brain and our body knows exactly how it went. Um, being teased in school, um, the example that I have being either golden child, uh, the invisible child or a scapegoat, that is a very big trauma that happens repeatedly, you know, and it becomes like a pattern that you have and how you relate to the world, how you relate to other people, how you relate to like your job, money, everything, you know, it's, it's so much about like how, how safe are my relationships? Yes. And it, you know, like when growing up, like it's, I, for me, in, in growing up in Hawaii, a lot of people have a very Japanese or Asian kind of way of upbringing. You know, the, the father goes and makes the money and, and works. The mom, you know, stays home and takes care of the kids or, you know, does a lot of the work at home, you know. And um, I just feel like a lot of times it's just like if you you have an issue, it's just, hey, suck it up, you know, don't cry you're not allowed to cry, just suck it up. And, you know, you, you're forced to like, just suppress your emotions instead of identifying what you're feeling and why you're feeling that way and understanding that it will pass, you know, your emotions pass, but pushing it down and forgetting about it is like the worst thing to do. But I mean, I remember growing up that that's how my emotions were dealt with. Why are you crying? Stop crying, you know, you know, and just... <laughs> suck it up, you know, deal with it and then move on, you know. Such a good point. And that's why in, in our, in, in, in the way, in our cultural upbringing, we were never taught how to deal with emotions. And that's why it's difficult for a lot of people to feel their emotions because sometimes they feel very scary. Sometimes we feel like if we allow them in, we would lose control. And a lot of people don't accept emotions just like our parents do. But emotions, they tell us so much, you know, like when we actually face the things that are scary, it can bring so much gold and awareness in our lives. It can uncover what we, because emotions are like internal navigation systems. They tell you like what feels safe, what doesn't feel safe, what we like and what we don't like. And when we choose not to feel and numb out by working, uh, drinking alcohol or just not facing a problem and watching K-dramas all day. Um, it's, 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 it's suppressing it. And in this way, we cannot, uh, we are not in touch with our body. We are not in touch with what we want and what we love to do. And um, it becomes like a very um, numbing life. And yes. you're not this way. You cannot reach your full potential because you're not in touch with your internal compass you're not in touch with your body because your body knows what is good for you. Absolutely. I mean, it's such, your emotions are such a trap if you let it. And if you don't identify what's holding you back, hold on one second. Okay. 
<laughs> my son wants to get his video games out of my room. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, you sound so cute. <laughs> the, the virtual headset is like, <laughs> I have to like limit their time on that because it's like, a total different world in there. I, I remember I saw this meme the other day saying like how our parents were like, don't go get close to the TV. You get like bad <laughs> eyesight. And now they have these- I know you have it like <laughs> on your eyes. <laughs> so true. I remember. Yeah. So what were we talking about? We were talking about um, just the emotional, yeah. um, how it can really hold you back from your true potential. That right there is very important. Your true potential. A lot of times people totally just push that aside. Like it's not important, you know, because of these things that um, are uncovered, you know, the, I, I just like, just want to really, really just stress how important that is. Like you have to understand what's holding you back because your true potential, like, Everybody has the right to know what that looks like, their true potential. But a lot of times these emotional traumas is, it's like a, being in a cage and imprisonment, you know, like um, I think it's so important for everybody to really uncover, you know, any type of emotion that's holding them back because the true potential, human beings are so amazing. And I, I just would love to see everybody, you know, at least go after that and try to achieve that true potential. Very important. Totally, totally, totally. It's just sometimes emotions are messy, you know, emotions are painful. And it's mostly that we don't know what to do with them. You know, we are scared that it will overwhelm us, that it would consume us. And emotions can be also very mixed. And you can be angry and sad and uh, disappointed and depressed, everything at the same time. So it is really great to have somebody who is with you who can identify these emotions for you. Because exactly. there, is a, there is a way of like how to deal with emotions or how to process them, you know? So and we're not taught people, that growing up. Not our parents that. didn't know how. No. <laughs> They don't know how, because very often they will respond with anger, you know, uh, and then it's like for our system is like where we could be very shocking, you know, when our parents scold us or get mad at, mad at us. But deep and deep down inside, if they would dig down deeper, there's a vulnerability there. You know, there's a concern there. There is a wanting for you there, a wanting you to have, uh, I don't know, like wanting you to be safe, you know, like they want you to have a good job because they don't want you to suffer like they do. Yeah, but they exactly. say it in a way that is, 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 um, is different from what they mean. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. Um, so I was looking at your website and uh, you mentioned shame and anger and grief are some of the emotions you help people deal with. And why did, why those emotions? Like, I feel like those are so powerful, shame, anger, and grief. Like, I feel even specifically I mean, with everyone, but specifically within the Asian culture, I feel like shame, number one, is like a huge one like that um, we, I had to deal with growing up. You don't want to sh put shame on your family. You want to make your family proud, you know, like, so can you, can you go a little bit deeper into that, those specific emotions and how that can affect someone's life? Yeah. 
like shame is um is is very much a control mechanism it's very much like uh making you feel bad and in order for not to feel that you are actually um excluded from the group because that what shame does is like pushing you away like this is good this is the good group and shame means like you're out of this group you're not good you are bad you are a bad person and in order for you not to feel like that you have to behave exactly the way we want you to feel or do right. and that's where shame becomes like a very controlling mechanism but it's so it's so painful because it really goes to the deepest core of us that we are not good as a person our being is not good our existence is not good right so in that way shame is very effective but what happens also it we internalize the shame we internalize the voices of our parents so even though our parents are not there we still carry that shame within us and we know internally internally like if i do this this is good my parents would approve you know mm -hmm. they will be proud of me however if i choose something else for example like if i choose to study business it will be good, you know? However, if I turn into spirituality or if I do singing and acting, that would not be good. That will bring shame over my family, you know? We become our, we create borders in our own mind uh, with the shame that we have been learning from our parents. Yeah. Yeah, that is and so powerful. The control mechanism of shame. That is so important and very, very powerful. <laughs> <laughs> definitely effective but in a really negative way it is yeah. and how we go about it is really like separating the different parts you know like what is uh what is your internalized mom saying what is your internalized dad saying what is your inner child saying you know like having it separate because very often it feels so matched up you know and that's where we feel stuck we feel depressed we feel like frustrated because we can't figure it out because all these different parts all these different voices within ourselves are actually at war because they want exactly the opposite things right so what about uh, grief? Let's talk about grief a little bit. Like how, how does, what kind of things causes grief? It's not only just related to death of a person, but you can grieve in so many different ways. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Grief is, is basically some ending that you don't want it to happen. And it can also be some kind of like abandonment after abandonment, uh, feeling the grief. But grief is very vulnerable. You know, it's very, it's, um, it's usually sometimes it's hidden under different layers. Sometimes it's covered by anger, for example, because when we, you know, like if we drop down to grief and we don't know how to process grief, Oh, yeah, I know why. Very he often get stuck in like sort of like a frustration and anger. Whereas if we go deep down into grief, feeling like um, grief can also happen about things, for example, that happened in our childhood, you know, that we never got the approval from our dad, you know, and having that realization, it can be met with a big grief, this big longing, like I never got what I want. Right. And there is like a certain phase that you will go through like, oh, I deserve that. 
I deserve right. to be like who I am. I deserve to be mirrored in a certain way. As I'm supposed to be celebrated and treasured coming into this earth and not be working and scolded and put pressure on. Right. And, uh, that so. void that that void that you have inside. You're you're exactly. grieving that longing of wanting something. Exactly. And yeah, that's that's interesting. Um because a lot of times when people think of grief, they just think of someone died, you know, and then you're longing the loss of that person. But it can show up in your life in so many different ways. And it's so emotional. And if you don't deal with it, it's very, that alone is traumatizing. It is, but moving to another country, there is grief, you know, like um, a friendship, a loss of a friend, a friendship, you know, you should not, because of a, a conflict, there is a lot of grief there. Losing a job, there is grief. And it's getting divorced too. That's that's a Gosh. big one. Divorce. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because yeah. um, yeah. a lot of times people and the kids, they they're directly affected with that too. If there is children in the breaking up of a relationship, uh, a marriage, that is just a, such a huge thing. And I don't know, I feel like these days, like divorce is like, the answer to you know your family problems it's like you know like it's so easy to just get divorced back back in the day you know like parents didn't really get divorced they just they committed and they're dealing with it you know and whether it's it's good for the family or not they just stuck together but I don't know like I feel I feel like it's so rampant out there and then the emotional um happenings you know from a breakup like that is not dealt with in the right ways you know and it just creates so much trauma in everybody surrounding the whole um you know the whole breakup so can you kind of go into that a little bit like have you ever helped people who who was going through a divorce yeah yeah totally um i'm divorced i'm separated myself and i have a daughter um, she's seven years old and yeah I totally agree with what you say that um, our parents really like um, stuck together uh, whether it works or not whether they love each other or not it, it doesn't matter there's just so much shame around divorcing and in our generation yeah there's a lot of divorce but it's also because we've never taught like um, conflict resolution we've never taught about how to communicate our emotions also communicate our vulnerabilities communicate our needs because very often we just don't know what's happening in the other person's brain we don't know what um he or she uh, feels um, but it's also because very often we don't know what we are feeling so if we don't know what we are feeling we also don't know what we need right and then also not express that so i hope that that will be the new thing of learning how to have these conversations with each other and not pointing necessarily fingers, but really like taking your own emotions at heart, you know, and taking the other person's emotion at heart and then having an open conversation about that. Yeah, instead of just throwing the lawyers and having them beat it out. <laughs> that is like the worst way. And then the, the two exactly. people with conflict don't even interact with each other they're not allowed to talk to each other only the lawyers that that is like 
if the kids are involved, that is like the most unhealthy way of dealing with it, I think. Because I've met some couples who have separated that have a really healthy relationship. And that is beautiful to see. And I'm, I feel good that, you know, I've seen, seen what that looks like, you know, where people can separate and, you know, the, the relationship together was, was not good, but they can separate and still co-parent in a healthy way and have a good relationship with each other. Like that is beautiful. And I know it exists out there, but like, there's a lot of people that would rather just let the lawyers beat it out because they're too afraid to deal with the emotions. It is, is I, I, I have to say like, luckily, I have a good relationship with my ex, a very good relationship. Um, And our co-parenting goes really well. We really respect each other's qualities. And um, we were really grateful. I'm really grateful that he's here. Uh, The way we co-parent is is great, you know, like, um, but I remember when we first separated, it was so painful. I was so mad. I was so mad all the time. And I could only see his flaws and things he's doing wrong. And I was very back and forth, like, is it my fault that we broke up? And then I'll be like, no, it's his fault. And and that was really painful. And I, we probably went through the same thing, but we had a mediator and that really helped us getting through the anger, you know, but not bypassing the anger, but really mm-hmm. dealing with the anger and going to like the, the sadness that we have, you know, because underneath all that anger, we were both actually really sad that we didn't make it, mm-hmm. you know, and the intention was very much to want to be together. Right. You know, he had the best of intentions for me. I had the best of intentions for him, but it just didn't really show up in behaviors, but right. the intention was there. And suddenly to see that, that vulnerability in each other, you know, the beauty that like, and recognizing like, oh, you've done your best. And he saw like, you're doing your best too. And that's where we can uh, work together again and really appreciate each other. But it's very much in like processing your emotions. Yes. And And it's really painful because it's really hard being a single parent as well, you know? So there's a hardship there as well there is there is yeah there's madness you know and there is grief there is loneliness there is rejection maybe some abandonment maybe you're cheated on there's yeah there's a lot there yeah and I feel like um I I'm so glad that you said that you when you can recognize you know each other's what they (laughs) sorry Hello, Dan. Sorry. What's the matter? Huh? Huh? What do you need? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Stop. No, take your time. Uh, take your time. I really like to see this actually. Like, yeah. you can just give her a hug. Hey, what do you need? Oh, okay, my friend, Miss, this is Miss Kelly. Say hi to her. Oh, hey. <laughs> what do you need hmm? just a hug from mommy hold yes, on one sec no, <laughs> no, just take your time I'm, I'm i'm right here take your time i know this is important too <laughs> what do you need huh? okay you want to sit here <laughs> she wants to sit here in the interview <laughs> 
for me it's okay totally okay <laughs> oh gosh she's beautiful oh thank you oh she can't hear me huh no it's name? in the headphones malia yeah. malia. malia yeah oh no beautiful name okay so where were we um okay i what i wanted to talk about now is i just remember when i first became a mom you know close the door honey so i can when i first became a mom all the crazy emotions involved with being a mother you know and having i had two like back to back so i had you know a little one-year-old and then a newborn baby when she was born yeah it was a lot, you know, like there's a lot of points during that time that I don't even remember. Like I blocked a lot <laughs> because lack of sleep, you know, working so much. I was working six days a week at the time. So they were like newborn. I mean, like real small, but I barely saw them. I was always working and, um, you know, just the emotions of being a mother. And, um, you know, I, I just wanted to know, like, your journey of helping people in this manner does do you think that single motherhood had a lot to do with inspiring you to start this business yeah i can so relate to you like i think like the first years i felt like my system was just on survival mode yeah it was just survival mode it, it was hormones and there was a lack of support at the same time and actually having no clue what to do like this baby is born and it's put on your lap and now you're responsible for this new human and i had no idea and i also realized that the way i was brought up wasn't really healthy so i didn't even have a reference point i was also just left alone a lot uh so i was thinking like how should i do it i i had no idea right and and working a lot well, I, I, I can imagine how you do it. <laughs> it's been, it must have been insane having two kids and working six days. It's, that, yeah. that, is hard. that is hard. And currently the way the society is shaped is not very beneficial for moms or even like a, a household, you know, with a, a mom and a dad and kids. Even that is not really healthy. Like I, I think about like, communities uh, how we used to have neighbors and uncles and, and and aunties and grandpas and grandmas the village that helped you bring up your kids right yes that's not i feel like it doesn't exist as much as before especially with the pandemic no. it just really isolated people and um forces people to not build that strong community that we had in the past like i feel growing up like we had a pretty big community to help us my mom with you know five girls <laughs> that's a lot on her plate <laughs> five girls you know yeah. and you know we had that crazy dynamic too that you were brought up with um yeah but um yeah i just can see like these emotions of being a mom and emotions of being a single mom like did that dealing with all of that did that help you really identify like how did you come to fruition of your emotions like how what opened your eyes it was really like um uh knowing that 
my emotions and how I behaved or the lack of emotional regulation, you know, like um, having an overactive um, nervous system at that time, you know, when I just had her uh, and not knowing how to deal with it was for me like, just remind me like how my grandma was or how my parents were and how much that made me suffer. And that really made me, motivated me to say like, I don't want that to happen to my daughter. I don't want to pass on like what I have been through to my daughter. I really want to make a change. I want to understand my emotions. I want to be at my fullest potential to set a role model for how I want to live my life so she can be free of that and she doesn't have to right. that pain over but at the same time it's a big big vision and um, I had to say like I'm not you know meeting that and I don't think it's possible either to not traumatize our kids in this current society but I know that I'm, I'm doing my best yeah right I just feel like as moms you know we have a lot to deal with emotionally and that that whole just understanding your yourself and how you were brought up and you know using that as a motivation to make sure that you don't you know you pass on or carry on the pattern of your past which is so inevitable sometimes you know like I find myself so many times saying I sound just like my mother you know <laughs> like that that pattern it's so automatic and autonomic you know um but just being aware that's so important because you cannot change anything unless you're aware of what needs to be changed so I think that what you're doing is so powerful and it really is a case-by-case -case basis like everybody is so different their upbringing is different what they you know been through and so it really is you have to really build a relationship with your clients and really find out who they are in order to help them and i think that is just beautiful and powerful and i just think it's really incredible what you're doing so um as far as like clients that you have like how diverse is it and now that we have zoom like uh where like what kind of demographics where are you helping people like I, yeah i just find that fascinating yeah you, most people that um that come to me are um like you said like uh like you just indicated really well yeah first you need to be aware like first you need to know like oh i'm sounding exactly like my mom and i don't like that you know or i get mad way too much at my children oh my god i don't want that you know and just figuring out where that comes from you know like oh, it comes from my mom or um, or um, just, yeah, like I said, like it's a case-to-case -case thing. So it, it can come from your mom, but it's also like a deeper understanding, like why do I behave this way? What is underneath that anger? What makes me so, because copying your mother's uh, reaction is one way, but there is a deeper reason for that because mm -hmm. you get mad at your children because, there is maybe some kind of disappointment in there, maybe some shame in there. Like you don't feel like a good enough mother or you can't control them. And that's why you get mad at them. Mm -hmm. So it's like digging deeper, like what is underneath that anger? What is underneath that sadness? Oh, there's maybe powerlessness because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. You right. know? And nobody is helping me in this way. I feel lonely and uh, I have to do everything by myself. So also just like, going down, down, down into like the core 
negative belief that you have. Yeah. And a core emotion, not only the belief, but also the emotion that come with that belief is very important to, to kind of decipher. And that happens very often. Um, it has happened in childhood. So a lot of things that we uh, come across in our daily life, these emotions has happened before, especially mm-hmm. when you're like triggered, when it's like explosive or, or you're getting too, too depressed about it. It is something that has happened before. And I do feel like life, universe, your soul does give you these opportunities to feel them and to process them because there is something that needs to be seen. And when you heal these kind of things, you become so much more compassionate to yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's where change happens. You know, the change doesn't happen just by saying like, stop being mad at your kids because it's not good for them because you will just fuck them up or something, you know? Right. And that is actually shaming. You know, right. That's a shaming way of teaching. But if, but what I do is really showing like, all right, don't shame yourself. Let's go in. Why do you get mad? Oh, you get mad because you're sad. You get sad because you can't control the situation. Oh, you can't control the situation. Oh, that makes you feel so powerless. Where does this powerless come from? You know, and then you might go back to childhood. I remember the time that I was so powerless and lonely that um, I was crying and nobody came to me. And my mom was so angry at me. And, and, and that's where you can come up with like a, a compassionate way of where things come from. And when you, next time you are faced with the situation again, you can act differently because mm-hmm. you have transmuted that emotion. You have fully right. understand and fully lived that emotion. Right. And when you're aware of it, you can, you have the power to let it pass and, and you know let it go and it's not holding you captive um, exactly and so it's powerful like facing our fears you know like fully seeing like the shadow you know right there it's like sometimes when you say like it feels like uh like a gigantic monster but actually when you look clear it's usually a crying child right right wow that's a very um powerful visual way of looking at it Thank you so much for all your insight. I really, really love this conversation. And um, I look forward to being friends with you for a long time. You're such a beautiful person. And I really, really feel like you're making a positive impact in the world and in the community. Um, where, how can people find you if they want to, you know, if they're interested in your services or if they, if they would just want to follow you on social media, where can people find you? Uh, yeah, you can look for me on Facebook. It's Kelly Che. Uh, I also have Instagram, so you can follow me on Instagram. Um, I do like um, a schedule for free, like discovery calls. And uh, you can just uh, yeah email me. So it's kellyche at gmail.com. Uh, I'm sure you'll put my name somewhere, right? Yes, like I will. <laughs> yeah, And I'll definitely put it in the description too, so people can just click on it. But yeah. I really appreciate this conversation. You're a really amazing person. And um, I know that your passion is really going to spread and really help a lot of people. So I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Beth. I also appreciate you having this platform of uh, just having the curiosity to get to know what I do and what other people do and what make other people tick and um, spread the word of 
different ways of leading a, a happy, joyful life. I'm very happy to have this opportunity to be on uh, your podcast. Absolutely. You're very welcome. And I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on Dark Horse Matters, the show about passions and people and their pursuit on happiness and how to impact the world and make the world a better place. So don't forget to like and subscribe, hit the bell so you can be notified every single time we have a new story and maybe that person will inspire you to go after your dreams. So until next time, everybody, be passionate.